Good morning, everyone. I'm Joanna Roach, and you are listening to The Nature of Nantucket, our Mariah Mitchell podcast. And this morning, I am talking to Andrew McKenna Foster, who is a former natural science director at the MMA and also now a product specialist at Figshare in Eugene, Oregon. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. So you, how long were you here at the Mariah Mitchell Association? I started as an intern in 2004. I'm doing air quotes here, retired from Mariah Mitchell in 2016. So 12 years, some of those were full-time, some were just the summers. You had a long run. Yeah, and it was fantastic. I, I will always look back on that part of my life as some of the best, best times of my life, I think. That is so nice to hear. And I I think I shared this with you earlier. You are remembered just as fondly on this end. So it it was clearly a good fit. So tell us a little bit before we start talking about some some other things. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Figshare and what that what that means. Yeah. So I'll just I'll keep it super short. I Figshare is a software platform that researchers and research organizations and institutions use to share research outputs. So in in a lot of science and just academic research of all different disciplines, people publish papers, and that's how others know about their research and results. But it's becoming more and more common and, and needed to share other things like data, supplementary material, and people want to share it in a way that they can get credit for it so they can be cited for it um, and not worry about people like stealing it without giving them their due. And so Figshare is, is one platform that helps people do that. And so anyone can go to figshare.com and see the research outputs that are being shared. Is it, do you do the same thing with photographs, like historical photographs? It's, Figshare isn't designed for that specific purpose. There are other platforms that are specially designed for kind of the archival storage and display of, of photographs specifically. But the photographs are part of a data set, especially with machine learning these days, you know, you might have a bunch of photographs, historical or otherwise, and uh, Figshare would be a good place for that kind of material. So how did you get interested in this? Yeah, well, of course, it relates to Mariah Mitchell. When I was at Mariah Mitchell and on Nantucket, I became really interested in tracking information over the long term because Mariah Mitchell has these biological collections. We many times found ourselves, you know, trying to compare to this, this, past data. For example, spiders, they were collected, this person collected them back in the early 1900s. And we had the specimens, we had a published book that kind of talked about the specimens in the collection, but that was pretty much it. And I thought about my own research, which were at that point, just Excel sheets, you know, like spider names and locations. And I was like, how is someone in a hundred years going to find this Excel sheet and use it? You know, I'm not necessarily publishing a book so I began to think about that and, and, uh, and in some ways worry about that, which led me to library school. And so I, uh, after I left Murray Mitchell, I went to library school and started working in data curation and became wow. involved with Figshare. Wow, that's really cool. That's really cool. So that it's also a good segue. So one of the things that I have been most fascinated about since I've joined the MMA is the is the collection of butterflies and bugs and birds. And I, I don't know, early on met up with Julia in the research center and saw her basically taking like the little leg off of a little fly from like 1921 and putting it on a slide and sending it to some 
someone. And I was just so incredibly blown away by that process. But I'd love to you, you to explain to our listeners, you know, why that happens, what that happens for, and, and how this collection system in the research center is important to the world. Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I also became kind of fascinated with these biological collections through the MMA. I, when I started as an intern, I didn't have any experience with specimens. But uh, over time, I really saw how valuable they were and how needed they are. And, you know, they themselves are data. And so, you know, whatever Julia was doing at that point, you know, sending a fly leg to some fly researcher somewhere you know, that person was going to use that to hopefully understand the relationship of, you know, one fly specimen to another, which can lead to important information about evolution and uh, adaptation and all sorts of things. And so these biological collections are um, just one important way to store information that can be used for, you know, hundreds of years into the future. And there are lots of different uses of biological specimens today that, that nobody even foresaw. And one example is like the effects of DDT. Museum, looking at eggs in museum collections was one way people really understood or figured out that DDT was causing eggshells to become too thin and breaking and causing a lot of um, birds of prey to, to die off and not be able to reproduce. That was because someone had been collecting, you know, all these eggs and putting them in museums for a long time. Wow. So the Mariah Mitchell collection is a very important resource for researchers today because it goes back, you know, over a hundred years. Well, that's so cool. So, you know, keeping along those lines, you know, I'm, I ask people who have, who are familiar with the research center, like what's your favorite thing in there or what's the thing that, you know, you were most excited about? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, (laughs) And I think probably every museum has its like kind of long lost specimens that something turns up and like, wow, we never knew we had this or where was this this whole time? I was always, so visually, I was always attracted to, like, there was an octopus in a jar. And, you know, I just, that was fascinating to me. I never, I I think that a lot of people don't think of um, octopi, I guess is the plural, around Nantucket. But, you know, they're definitely there. We just don't see them that often. And so having that sitting on a shelf in the collections, uh, looking at that, it was always just the... um, kind of like an indication to me that there's a lot out there that we don't see all the time uh, in our daily lives, but you know, all these creatures are going about their own daily lives. And, I, and then just in terms of, I don't know, I, I have so many fond memories of like sitting in the, the collection facility, doing some type of work and, you know, opening a drawer of a, some cabinet and seeing super old fossilized shells from the Sankety Bluffs. There's just always some type of something new to find that I had no idea about, and they're all labeled so you can find out more, more stories about them. So in terms of the programs that you developed when you were here, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think some of the things that I'm most proud of, or at least look back on really fondly are working with interns and all the volunteers to, you know, not only grow the collections, but conduct research and also just learn things. So you know, it was, it was so fun to have folks, you know, no matter what age they were helping in the collections. If someone was interested in learning about identifying spiders, there was always a need for someone to help sort spiders, sort insects from our pitfall trap collections. And so I think getting people involved in that was 
so fun to see. And I know that some people really took it really far. And I think other people are like, wow, that was a cool experience, but I actually want to go like be at the aquarium talking to people. So I, I think that kind of like offering uh, students of any age, the opportunity to, to learn by doing, getting hands-on experience outside the classroom. That was something that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where do you think like the future of all this is going? Right. You know, because I think on the one hand, we have this like paradox that's happening. Right. We have this. Well, here at Mariah Mitchell Association, this, you know, 100 plus year old campus that has all of these amazing artifacts that are so rooted in history and legacy. And then on the other side of it, you have all of this science that has been developed some of which you're doing, right? That is so cutting edge that all needs to be digitized. How do these two things like join up? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't know if I, you know, have the answer, but definitely digitizing the physical collections is becoming, you know, possible in a at scale way so that we can actually digitize all the specimens just takes resources. But I think that those digital records will that you know, currently it's just kind of like, well, we have some, some very high quality images of these specimens, but I think over time they'll be actually useful as data themselves, you know, in terms of, I don't know, 3d modeling an insect's body or something based on, you know, scanning the specimen. So I think that's one, one way that these will, these things will kind of coincide or interact. And these historic specimens are important in that way so that, you know, they're, they're extinct species in museum collections around the world. So as technology changes, we'll be able to extract even more information from those specimens to learn mm-hmm. more about evolution and speciation and all that. But it's a good question. I, I, I'm always excited to see what the future holds. One of my favorite parts about life. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that that's, you know, the, probably the, the best approach. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, you know, I guess there's just one constant in life and that's change. Certainly. Yeah. And, and museum collections kind of document that change over time. And like, it's, it's fascinating to see that. And Nantucket, especially because the island changes so much, you know, it is it's just sand. It's out and separated from the mainland so far that it kind of goes through change at a maybe a different rate in some ways than other places. And so I think I think that's why it makes sense that there's a physical biological collection on the island at the Murray Mitchell Association is because Nantucket's not it's not just another, you know, like East Coast town. It's a very dynamic place. It's true. It's true. So now, what about the tortoise? Are you the person who was here when that tortoise arrived? Yeah. And I still remember the day, you, okay. know, you know, and that was a favorite part of the job was people bringing in things, whether they were <laughs> animals or like a bone or something. Uh, I expect that that the museum and aquarium staff and just everybody still really enjoys that. But yeah, the, the tortoise came in and I think it was around the time that there were some other tortoises being found on the Island. These, um, I think they were like Russian tortoises, some type of Russian tortoise species, but like one turned out to be somebody's pet. Another one, you know, who knows there were a lot, it was like a, an exciting turtle time. Uh, there were um, box turtles being found anyway, this, you know, MZ, the tortoise came in. We had no idea what species it was. We actually misidentified it for a while. We had a naming contest. We, we thought it was a male. So it was named Old Man in Swahili. Then it laid an egg. And so it was like, ah, it's a female. 
And I think the tortoise just has a great personality and I have always, you know, felt uh, just really like that, that little animal. So yeah. of all the time that you were here, what was your favorite animal that turned up? Another good question. Well, I mean, the tortoise is definitely one of them, but I was also really partial to snakes and we had a couple of garter snakes that lived for a long time. They were a hit at the carnivorous critter, you know, feeding events. They always um, were voracious and uh, people really enjoyed, <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing to see a snake just eat something uh, whole. And so that, that was really neat. But I also will mention a green frog, you know, common amphibian on Nantucket. We had a green frog that lived for like, I don't know, six or seven years. I think in the wild, they live for like two to three years, you know, like they get eaten or something. Mm-hmm. It was just the most geriatric green frog you'll ever see. I think it was blind in, you know, in its last year, but it would also eat really well, you know, it would like try to go after flies. And I just really appreciated its like determination <laughs> and the service it gave, you know, to all the museum visitors. I always saw those animals as providing a very valuable educational experience. And so I always thought of it that way as like, yes, we have them in captivity, but they are providing this like tremendous learning experience for people. It's really true. It's really true. So what is, you know, maybe one of the things you learned from your time at Mariah Mitchell, uh, maybe about Mariah Mitchell, or one of the things that you felt really inspired by? Yeah. Well, a couple things. I'm forever inspired by Mariah Mitchell. And in fact, whenever I hear about, you know, some historical date, my reference point is Mariah Mitchell's life. So as a matter of fact, you know, the person who collected spiders on Nantucket, James Emerton back in the uh, 1920s, he was born in 1847. And whenever I see that date, I'm like, oh, that was the year Mariah Mitchell discovered a comet. So yeah, I'm always, I'm thinking about Mariah Mitchell's life basically all the time. And the thing that I, I took away from my experience at Mariah Mitchell, I think, was, I think Edith Andrews said this, something along the lines of, Edith Andrews was the, you know, ornithologist at Mariah Mitchell for decades. It was something along the lines, like, if, if you don't look, um, you won't see or something like that. And the idea is like, you got to like go out and like look at things and observe. And, and that's how you make discoveries and just learn about the world. And I think you know, I think about our discoveries of the four-toed salamander. I was just out looking around, you know, and coming across these things and observing the natural world. Um, And I think that was probably the biggest takeaway from my experience there. And I hope it was the experience for a lot of other people, just like what you can find if you just observe and and go out and look. Right. The curiosity concept. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's not just a phrase like, yeah, curiosity is really important and it's really good to cultivate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe for our last question here, is there like one thing as part of the Mitchell House or part of Hinch Museum, or is there any like artifact that you loved or have a great story about? Yeah, an artifact. Well, gosh, this is this is a tough question because <laughs> there, there are so many. I think that. I mean, I, I think I'll say that the the research center is actually like really iconic and, and it's meaningful to me because it it has a long history with the Mariah Mitchell Association, you know, going back, I think, to the 30s. And it started as a public library building. And I think for a long time, it's been this like center where people can learn and come together. And now, you know, 
the association redesigned it into a research center to give the collections better storage and provide an even better place for for visiting researchers and on-island researchers to work. So whenever I go into that building, I just have a feeling of like potential, you know, like the potential for discoveries. So it's, you know, I don't know. I think that's the best. Whenever I think of the Mariah Mitchell Association, I often think of the library sitting across from Mariah Mitchell's house. It's just such an important component, I think, for the whole association. Well, that's amazing. That's really amazing. And in your own sort of place and space, you know, what is special about Eugene that attracted you there? I've always loved trees. And I think, you know, I left Nantucket because I wanted to go back to school, love going to uh, university, but the Northwest Pacific Northwest draws me because massive trees. And that is, that was one thing that Nantucket was lacking in abundance of. So yeah, trees are short. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, what a pleasure to chat with you um, today, Andrew. I really appreciate your time and thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was my pleasure. If you have been listening, I'm Joanna Roach. This is called The Nature of Nantucket. We've been speaking with Andrew McKenna Foster, who is a product specialist at FigShare. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye.